3: Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all of your questions from the week in European football. I'm Dawson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel.
4: And I'm Nikki Bandini.
3: Straight off from Nosna RB, is it a coincidence that Roma have won three Serie A games in a row since De Rossi took over?
4: It's not completely a coincidence. Um, I suppose the first boring point to make is they've all been against teams that you definitely would expect. Roma to beat. They played Verona. They played Salernitana. They played Cagliari. All these teams are struggling at the bottom end of the table, um, so they aren't shocking results in and of themselves. I think that De Rossi, in many ways, is just about the only appointment you could get away with after Mourinho. Mourinho, who had Roma's supporters in thrall and who had even as results and perhaps things around the club seemed to unravel, had so much support. You've brought in a manager who is perhaps the one person who could relieve the tension a little bit. Who can be, by virtue of just being so emphatically Roman, by being someone who so belongs in this situation, this context is so loved by the fans for having been the the long standing club servant,
5: who has the second best beard in sports.
4: <laughs> Who's first? <laughs>
5: James Harden, obviously, okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, is able to come in and 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 do that. So I, I think. Um, it's not a coincidence, and I think that he certainly has seemed to bring a little bit of joy back to a situation that had lost it. I think you see the football Roma playing, they're playing with the ball more. He's talked about wanting that, about wanting to to own possession and, and to have players have a bit more divertimento, to enjoy themselves. Um, and I think you can certainly read a little bit of something into the fact that from Er Capitán Futuro as De Rossi Long was, the future captain who eventually became the captain when Totti finally hung up his boots, has come in. And the club's Roman captain, Pellegrini, has scored in every game so far since uh, Capitano Presente, since, um, since De Rossi came in. I, I think there's there's certainly something beyond just this sort of end of the New era ability to play in a little bit more relaxed way. I think that De Rossi has, has made some some choices tactically that have allowed his players to to play with a little bit more freedom. I think it's very early days. And as we touched on at the end of the main show this week, um, because it was my game of the week, they are playing Inter this weekend. And I think the winning run may well come to an end. But I I don't think you can call it just a coincidence either. I think he's he's obviously hit the ground running in a situation that wasn't obviously straightforward.
5: You talked about how he's the only candidate you could really get away with after Mourinho. I guess that's it. So much of what Roma have been about over the last two and a half seasons or so, it's been about the feeling, the feeling that Mourinho is being created. Such a a lot of the problems in terms of squad building, in terms of the football, they just haven't really mattered in a Stadio Olimpico context, do Mm. they? And you already see... De Rossi creating that feeling. I mean, I always thought it was a bit weird and analogous how some people said at the start when he got appointed. Well, this guy's, you know, all he's ever done before he's been in charge of spell for sixteen games. It didn't do. It didn't go particularly well. Well, firstly, I don't think you can have a handle on what he is as a coach just yet. Secondly, that spell. This yes. is De Rossi at Roma, which is 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 very different. And you know, there are some coaches that only really work in the the context of, of, of one club. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I suppose you could say... How would,
4: how would Zinedine Zidane do at Spallet, is what you're asking? Yeah,
5: I suppose that's that's, that's yeah. what I am, really. I mean, I, I think, like, you know, when you saw the players signing on, uh, towards just before the transfer deadline day, we, we had Baldansi and I arriving, mm. for example. And my son, who's... My youngest son, who's a Roma fan, was uh, watching the clip of him training for the first day and he's just in the gym doing some weights. And De Rossi walks in my son goes. He's going to get a hug off De Rossi in a minute. He's going to get a hug off De Rossi in a minute, and th- that's the thing, isn't it? You know, there's there's such an aura to him.
4: Yeah, definitely, absolutely. I, I think. Um...
5: I mean, does it does that give him a bit of latitude in terms of the results? Because they were left in a bit of a spot. Actually, I don't think anyone massively expects them to qualify for the Champions League, but, but they're only a couple of points shy of it.
4: Yeah, the fourth, the, the race for fourth in Italy is going to be. Extremely tight because essentially you have got I was gonna say a two-tier league, it's more than two tiers because there's a whole separate thing going on at the bottom of it, but there's certainly at the top of the table these two very distinct tiers, which is Inter, Juventus, and Milan. Frankly, if you really wanted to, you might be able to put Inter in their own bracket. But those mm-hmm. three teams are very clearly ahead of everyone else in, in Serie A. Um and uh and and behind that there's a lot of ambiguity. Remember, of course, that Italy at the moment, are on track to get a fifth Champions League spot this season. Whether or not that will hold, we'll see. But, um, but worth aiming have, for. Yeah, they could have five. Mm. So, so there's lots of of opportunity there, and of course, Roma are still in the Europa League as well. So, lots of opportunities. Um, I, I, I do think, um, I, I yeah, I, I think his aura is absolutely right in terms of describing things. I think there's potential. What's really interesting with Rossi for me is. He, are we going to see this treated as an appointment to last beyond the season? Because Mm. it's one thing to say you bring in your club legend halfway through the season, which is not going how you want it to, when you've decided it's time to break with Mourinho. Is he just your sort of polite buffer to fans? Give them a bit of De and then we'll make serious decisions in the summer. Um, And I think this is going to depend in the end on how he does. Um, I think that you could see with that Baldanzi signing where the club is headed and it's it's going to get more complicated if you want to talk about this run of results not being coincidence well let's include the fact that Dybala has been available for all three of these games and this has been the big question with Roma mm. you've signed Dybala we know he's brilliant when he's on the pitch he's brilliant you also accept when you sign Dybala he's not going to be there every game so you're, you're weighing that up but signing Baldanzi is a young Italian who plays in the same role who has a lot of potential to him, imbaldansi. So I'm very curious to see how he does. He's got the sort of Papu Gomez energy about him where he's undersized, um, but extremely technically gifted, very good close control. Um, and I I think he's going to go one of two ways. Either he's going to get physically bullied out of being the success he could be, or he's going to show he's got the steel to get through it. But either way, he's clearly there to finally give you a proper alternative to Dybala. That's exactly the role he's going to play mm. in. Um, and I think that that is a clear gesture towards where the team is headed, which is Lukaku, they probably can't afford to keep Lukaku next season. Uh, questions about what Tammy Abraham's future is going to be as he's coming back from injury soon. There's there's going to be a clear out and it's going to be attending towards more young players like that. And is De Rossi the person to oversee that? The point I keep coming back to is his dad has run the Roma youth system for a really long time. And he may have more insight there than the average person
3: would. do. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, a little nugget at the end there. So, coincidence, what coincidence, Noznar? Uh, this is from JK, with the news on Schalke potentially not getting a license if they get relegated from Bundesliga 2. What's the health and sustainability like of leagues in Europe below... The top one. I'll tell you what, I never saw the crossover
5: between Jamiroquai and fallen <laughs> giants of yeah, we're, European we're, football. <laughs> uh, I, I think the, the Schalke thing is 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 really interesting because they are paying for the sins of previous leadership because if we go back, what, just short of five years, they're in the last 16 in the Champions League, for goodness sakes. It's, it's remarkable that they are where they are. And I, I guess if you're one of those Giants have had moments of struggle this season. So, if you're Lyon or Ajax or maybe even Sevilla or Villarreal, you're having a look at that thinking, oh, there, but for the grace of God, let's get it together in the last part
3: of this season. 14th in Bundesliga, too.
5: Yeah, and that's. They've
3: come a long way from the Schalke that we used to talk about.
5: Yeah, exactly. The club that got the sixth most bums on seats of any football club in the world and and they still do you know yeah. they they still get unbelievable crowds they still get 60,000 62,000 every, every every other it's week amazing it is it is amazing and i i think the 14th kind of undercuts the drama remember there are only 18 teams in Bundesliga 5 and there's a playoff place for third bottom between them and third top in the dritte liga the the third tier so They've got to stay away from it. They have a coach who nearly won the Belgian Pro League last season, the the, the Belgian uh, Julepa League last season, uh, Carol Gerrits. They're not completely without talent. They're not completely without resource. But they've had, they overspent for a lot of years. They've had a lot of financial reality checks in recent years. And really, I think there have been continuing bad decisions, certainly in terms of, coach turnover. There was a point last season where they were paying four coaches because, you know, that's how it happens these days. You don't necessarily pay off a coach in one big chunk for the rest of their contract. You keep paying them until they get another job. Mm. I mean, they were paying four coaches. It's it's, it's remarkable, really. And then you have Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which is a big deal for Schalke because they're already in a fragile financial position They've been the beneficiaries of a very, very good shirt sponsorship deal from Gazprom over a number of years. And them saying in the early days of the invasion, oh yeah, well it's, it's Gazprom Germany. It's not Gazprom Russia. That's never going to wash in a million years. And they have to, they have to give up the sponsorship and it costs them a load of money. And you know, they, they, they have to, and they do. But um, in the short term, that means the bottom line is is, is really pressed. Now they've got, debt of upwards of 170 million euros as well and that's why as jk says they wouldn't get the license if they went into the third tier there's there's just no way so they they can't get relegated or they would be in a situation they can but they can't afford to yes exactly so that's that's a, that's a huge problem i mean schalke are, are an exception rather than necessarily the, the rule but i think J.K. touches on a, on a really interesting point because we've had clubs, big clubs, when big clubs go down the tiers quite quickly, I think whether we're talking about the, the health of the leagues in Europe globally or just particular cases, if we're talking about particular cases, you will always have a problem when big clubs go on a big slide because, of course, they have big stadiums that you need to lighten heat they and, and maintain they have big wages mm. they have all these things that they have to deal with and they can't they literally cannot scale back back quickly enough it's it's just not possible now Kaiserslautern had that problem when the Fritz Walter stadion was um redeveloped after the, the the World Cup all of a sudden you know a, a team that had been German champions they're in the third tier with the stadium and it's like what are we going to do with that? You know they're losing money hand over fist. You, you know you you have like Portuguese clubs who I've talked about this before got big new stadiums off the back of Euro two thousand and four, and you know they can't afford to light and heat them. At one point, Bovista needed six home games to pay the bills for a month. I mean it's uh, they've they've had problems with paying players more recently, having got themselves back in a more even keel. So I think. Generally, if we're talking about more global problems, it's in the countries where there's a massive difference between the haves and have nots. So, like, say, Turkey or, or, or Portugal, you know, you get top flight clubs who are really living hand to mouth, and that's that's really tough. But Schalke is a different situation. And, you know, I think if you look at the Bundesliga, wow, there are a lot of big clubs in there at the moment. Mm.
3: You might have already answered this with the have haves and haves nots uh, mentioned that you said there, but are these. Clubs who, in this precarious situation, are they not able to uh, expand the use of their stadiums, by you know bringing in pop concerts or whatever to bring in some fans?
5: I think with Schalke is very particular because ugh, Gelsenkirchen is 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 not going to be on. Any any rock bands to in schedule? Quite quite Fair frankly, enough. is 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 you know uh,
3: that's n- what you, not only to think about Tottenham, but hey, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> they're all lining up to get there. Yeah, okay, right. Well, and you, and me, the three of us are going to go and see <laughs>
5: Beyonce and Gelsenkirchen. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it's it's funny because Gelsenkirchen is like a fairly nondescript town from what was traditionally a coal mining community, and the stadium is out of town, so it's got an incredible history the club but that history is augmented because it's the most important thing about the place.
0: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
3: Staying in the German second tier, or uh, Bundesliga 2. you see what I did there, Andy? I do. Thank you. Uh, this is from James. How will Sampaoli get on in the Bundesliga? Is there any risk that they'll sacrifice culture for results or even financial gain? It's a really good question. Um, what, does the,
4: what does what does that mean in that context, sacrificing culture? Because Sampaoli do have this very sort of particular...
5: Yeah, they're a very counter-cultural club. Yeah, and um, you know it's it's, it's about um, they're they're a very left wing club. Uh, they are a club where the, the, the football's not everything, where social responsibility is important, where um, that that feeling of belonging is more important than even at most football clubs. I, I I would say now, I guess because it's probably the most punk of all clubs that you you can think of. I remember going first time I went to a game there. Uh, a mill and tour I went to the clubhouse after the game which was over the road and um it's this sort of bar that holds probably about I don't know something like 700 people and as is normal we talked about the top spiel on um uh, the main OTC this week which happens at like six thirty local time on a on, on a Saturday and you would think everyone's just left the game that's just happened in the afternoon you go across the road, the football's on and everyone's watching it. I was in this bar that was absolutely packed and they were playing like you know, loads of punk and New Wave and Scar and what have you, all, all your sort of gear. Yeah, uh, thank uh, you. Any, anyway, they had um, Bayern versus Dortmund on the big screen. I was the only person in there watching it. Like, no one else was even slightly Whoa. interested because it's a community experience that's about more than football. Now, as James suggested, this caused quite a clash when they were last in the, the the Bundesliga. So this must have been, I think, eleven, twelve, or was it ten, eleven? Off the top of my head, I think it was eleven, twelve. Anyway, they um, got into the Bundesliga in about March when they or, or, or February they won the away derby at Hamburg, and they celebrated it so hard they went on this massive tailspin and ended up getting relegated to. Uh, games from the end of the season but the problem was in terms of the they were so unused to top flight football the deals that they organized and there, there were all sorts of commercial deals that they they did to try and give themselves a bit more financial latitude when they got in the top flight a lot of fans felt they were against the spirit of the club like they 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 had um one deal with a, a strip club in the in the reaper barn which a lot of people were really against as, as, as well but th- there was definitely this this clash I think that there are enough people there still at the club James who remember that season really well and remember the way that it fell apart really well I mean th- they got relegated by losing 8-1 at home to Bayern it was awful and I think well, they've had so long to think about going up because they've been in the top like four or five, without having massive resources, been really well run over the last couple of years, that they've had enough time to think about, okay, what will we next go up to the Bundesliga? I think they'll be a bit more adroit about it this time. Do, you,
3: do they get the parachute payments when they're no. relegated? No. In?
5: Oh, my word. And that is
3: another problem, going
5: back to the previous question, in terms of cutting, what I am saying, they literally cannot cut their costs
3: quickly enough. That's one of the reasons. Uh, this from Bobson Dugnut. Are we looking at another overachieving great Atalanta team? Feels like they've had a couple of seasons operating around their mean, but they seem primed to get a top four place with a reclamation project like CDK, Charles de Catalera, and Kolasinac.
4: Yeah, I, I, it's we were just talking, weren't we, about the, the, the top four or top five in Italy and I was asked about a month and a half, two months ago, who was going to get that fourth spot in Italy and, and I... To Catalan to them, because for me, it comes down to management. And there's a lot of clubs with better players, I think, in, in that category of clubs competing for it. Napoli, obviously, who won the league last season. Um, but I just think that when you're asking me which manager do I most trust, and there's some other good managers, by the way, Chego Mota is doing exceptional work at Bologna, and I certainly am not ruling them out of that race either. But Gasperini is the one who actually has been there, done it, over and over again reinventing this team um, and he certainly seems to be on another successful reinvention right now looking at how results have been at the start of this year even with Adamola Luckman lukman not there he's continued to get these results Charles de Cattellera actually in some ways it's the one question about de Cattellera who's been sensational over the last little patch I think he's got seven goals and four assists in his last ten games um, for those who don't know who we're talking about de Cattellera was signed by Milan uh, not last summer but summer before, and uh, was very much viewed as well, he was their biggest signing that summer. I think it was about thirty five million euros, was very much viewed as a piece that was going to be pivotal in the next the next big Milan build and, and had a horrendous season there, goes to Atlanta and has been steadily building and building and now Lookman's out the way and, and he has the sort of the Tre quarti, the area behind the attack, the three quarters, so they'd say in Italian, um, to himself as is, is really Blossomed even more, and I find him a, a fascinating player because he's got a certain, despite being tall, and he is really tall. He's got a certain fragility to him. I, I say that he reminds me a little bit of of Meza in that way that he moves. But um, uh, someone this week put it, she is Josip Ilicich as a more sort of a close comparison with Atalanta links as well, and and I can see that. But he he has got a certain fragility, um. And certainly his confidence has seemed fragile since arriving in Italy, which when you think about it, he'd been in Belgium dominating the Belgian top league and he comes to Italy and is thrown straight in at Milan and told, right, you're going to be the next star. It, it is sometimes asking a lot of a 21-year-old to, to make that jump and, and not miss a beat, which he obviously did. But he he's really, really coming on and blossoming and it's just such a Gasparini story. He keeps finding new players, giving them fresh life. Lookman himself is a great Gasperini story of a player who had been fine in the Premier League, but he wasn't particularly going places. It didn't feel like he goes to Atlanta and suddenly he is. Um And yes, uh, another great Atlanta team. I'm not sure. Another overachieving Atlanta team. Definitely. And I'll stick with my prediction. I think they may well take fourth place.
3: Uh, the with regards to Adam moller Luckman, he's a different player. He's, I mean, something happened when he moved to Italy. Mm-hmm. Been he's been unbelievable over the last couple of seasons. Incredible, he? Yeah. yeah. He wouldn't think it was the same player. Although, um, Bobson also adds that they've got emerging talent like Edison and Scalvini.
4: Scalvini's a, a real player, yeah. Although it's always tricky with Atalanta because the number of players who've been successful there and then have gone on to not have great success Ooh. has also a, a factor. But it's not all of them because there's... the they've gone both ways it just it, it feels a bit like once you take players out of that bubble some of them I suppose I'm trying to think with the bubble analogy my mind was going to say some of them burst but I'm not sure if bursting is success or not succeeding some of them succeed and some of them we're forever
3: blowing them we? I yes.
4: mean if, if you if you
5: want a shorthand for that in future you can just say Atalanta
3: the Italian version of 90s Wimbledon <laughs> I would have gone for West Ham the bubble analogy right okay uh, talking <laughs> of bubbles Was it a surprise that Fatih Terim was named Panathinaikos' coach? Um, Yes.
5: (laughs) It's fair to say because this is a guy who is, if if you're unaware of uh, Fatih Terim, he's the ultimate in Turkish football. Um, A worthy player, but as a coach, um, he he broke down barriers uh, for the national team, for Galatasaray as well. He is someone who has also not really been out of Turkey much in his career. Not to say he's not an especially cosmopolitan guy, because he had a a short and really like extraordinary spell in Italy, where he was at Fiorentina and then Milan. I mean, he was in Italy for less than a year and a half, but had an. Unbelievable time there, right?
4: Oh my goodness! But I, I just want to pick up on that because his his career trajectory is amazing when you look at it listed because it goes Turkey Galatasaray, Fiorentina, Milan, Galatasaray, Turkey, Galatasaray, Turkey, Galatasaray. <laughs> but just alternating yeah. between I'm going to be the national team manager and I'm going to be um, uh, I'm going to be manager of um Galatasaray and that's it. But yeah, he he was brilliant at Fiorentina for about five minutes. It felt like, but made this exceptional um uh attacking team but it was really explosive with with Gori, who was um, I mean I don't know if we have time to go into the the full story of the Gori family which is one of those famous disasters of Italian football that unfolded um and he goes on to 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 Milan and again um had them playing really entertaining attacking football for for a minute but Uh, didn't quite get the results that would have kept him there. I mean, he
5: did the right thing in trying to build a team around Rui Costa twice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you can't say fairer than that, I think. But it's amazing that at 70 years old, he should now think, having been out of the game for, what, a year and a half? Mm -hmm. And after he finished his fourth, that's right, fourth, spell it, Galatasaray, that he should think, yeah, why don't I have a go in Greece? I mean, you don't really imagine, like, Turkish coaches going to Greece in, in, in the first place. Um, there's a lot of problems with the, the Greek League at the moment. Of course, there, there were no fans in the ground at the moment because of uh, crowd violence, although it looks like, fingers crossed, the weekend after next, they'll be bringing the fans back after an absence of, what, two and a half months, something, something like that. Um, but Terim was parachuted into this situation at Panathinaikos, and it's lucky He's a combative bloke because you look at the games that he had to play first off, and um he gets an eternal derby against Olympiakos. He has to play Pauk. There are massive cup games that are hugely important to the future of the club, and he, he goes un, unbeaten at the start and, and really hits the ground running. And they've not got they've, they've they've got an okay squad, but they've not got massive resources because no one in Greek. Football really has absolutely massive, limitless resources at the moment. Of course, with Panathinaikos, they're limited in terms of their stadium. Leophoros is, is, is quite modest and old school anyway, below 20,000 capacity. And he's created something already quite coherent. I mean, as we speak, this midweek, they've beaten Olympiakos in the latest eternal derby um, 2-0. Which is great for them. Bernardi's just announced he's going back to Atletico Mineiro at the end of the season, scoring the first goal in that. And they're right in the mix for the title. They're only three points off the top. So I know Nicky was saying at the very start of this, you know, Daniele De Rossi, it's only the start. Let's be careful. I say, this is Greek football. This is fatty to him. Let's get ridiculously excited about it because the rest of this season is going to be absolute dynamite He is one of the characters one of the figures of, of of european football and it's it's going to be fascinating to watch for the rest of the season as but yes we, a big surprise
3: as we say in greece helada um talking of which i've got an ask otc question myself if i may um who's, who's going to win the africa cup of nations <laughs> You're putting us
5: on the spot. I have to say Nigeria there. Or yeah, do I not do be. I not say Nigeria because it jinxes your team?
3: <laughs> say what you like. <laughs> and do you agree? I, I think Nigeria will win, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ask OTC. If you'd like to ask a question, you can contact us at any time at Radio Dawson, at Andy Brassel, at Nikki Bandini, or at OTC Pod. And you can email us OTC at footballramble.com.
1: On the Continent is a Stack Production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.
0: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns